It's Quick Bits for the week of March 13th through the 17th, which was only one stream and a podcast for me because we had some family time this week with spring break. And since so many of you had said, girl, don't worry about the week to week of the Murdaws, we're going to move on and talk about some other things. So today we're talking about the Tom Girardi State Bar scandal. Then we're going to be talking all about some new unsealed documents in the Idaho College murders case, what was taken in Pennsylvania, what's going on with this writ of mandamus, and all the rest of it. Plus, we have to talk more about poop. I thought we were done talking about poop last week, but we're not. So let's get into it. I'm legal analyst Emily D. Baker. This is the Quick Bits, where I break down just the main points of the pop culture and entertainment cases I'm currently covering on YouTube and the Emily Show podcast. Let's get into it. Maybe we should just start with the poop. I broke this down on Tuesday's live stream because there is a music copyright suit between the Black Eyed Peas, My Humps, and Poopsie Slime Surprise, My Poops. And the question I got a lot during that stream was, doesn't this get covered by parody? And the thing with copyright is, it's never that simple. The thing with parody is it's a fair use defense. So it's going to depend on a judge to go through a fair use analysis and decide whether this video is a actual parody of my humps that's covered by fair use or whether this is just taking the music and melody of this song, changing the lyrics and using it for commercial purposes. If you have no idea what I'm talking about, I'm going to show you a little bit about the the my poops music video and the toy that is the subject of this lawsuit. But this is a new lawsuit in 2023 where BMG, who is the owner of most of the copyright for the Black Eyed Peas song, My Humps, is suing the toy maker for Poopsie Slime Surprise for over $10 million. Now, again, I said the fair use analysis is a defense, which means the court is going to have to go through those four factors and weigh them. Different judges do this differently which is why relying on fair use can be hit or miss and it can be very expensive. It's why artists like Weird Al ask for permission before they parody songs so they don't have to get sued and then convince a judge that it's in fact an okay use. So for the fair use analysis, the judge is going to look at these four prongs, purpose and character of the use, including whether the use is of a commercial nature or is for nonprofit educational purposes, the nature of the copyrighted work, the amount and substantiality of the portion used in relation to the copyrighted work as a whole. Did it take the entire melody, the whole song, just a little bit? The effect of the use upon the potential market for or the value of the copyrighted work. Now, in the lawsuit, BMG is alleging that the toy and the music video infringes on my humps um, and the musical composition because with copyright, the music is copyrighted and so are the lyrics. So it's two different things because the melodies are also things that can be copyrighted. And that the composition of the song, My Poops, is so similar. It's obvious that the song was intentionally created to, quote, commercially exploit the popularity of and goodwill associated with My Humps and the Black Eyed Peas in order to sell more products. You're going to get to tell me what you think, because we're going to take a look at, well, a little bit of the music video, and then a little bit of the toy that uses this music as well. So... Here we go. Yeah. All right. 
Yep. I'm so glad my kids are beyond this age, but um, I might need a poopsie slime surprise just to figure this out for myself because I do not have my own poopsie slime surprise. I went looking for videos of the dancing toy and found one from Moist Critical. So here is the toy in action that is part of this lawsuit. What are you going to do with all that poop? Am I right? Yep. Is this going to be fair use? Is it going to be parody? Here's the thing about parody. Generally, when you're looking at parody, you're looking at parody that's poking fun at a work rather than directly profiting from the work. So our court's going to look at this and say, no, this is commercial exploitation and you should pay licensing. Or are they going to say no? This is a parody. It's poking fun at the My Hump song. And that's the entire purpose of the work. I would love to know your thoughts about whether it is a parody use or a commercial exploitation of the song. You let me know in the comments down below. Also, please don't leave comments if you get the Poopsie Slime Surprise song stuck in your head because this has been happening to me every time I cover this. And, and it, it makes me angry. I keep trying to just replace it with My Humps. But occasionally in my brain, it just won't stop. So we're, mo we're moving on to the Tom Girardi bar scandal because, you know, from one shit show to another. If you're not familiar with the Tom Girardi scandal, I started covering this in 2020 when Edelson PC filed a lawsuit in Illinois alleging that Tom Girardi and Erica Girardi, a.k.a. Erica Jane from Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, alleging that their divorce was a sham, that Tom Girardi through his law firm, had put like $20 million into Erica's business improperly and a lot more. That piqued my interest. What happened from there was a very quick succession of events that included Tom Girardi's assets being frozen by the judge in Illinois, the case being referred for prosecution, and a bankruptcy, involuntary bankruptcy, being filed against Tom Girardi and the law firm Girardi Keys. It is one of the most staggering legal scandals that I have ever seen, and I think it might be one of the largest legal scandals ever. It is over $400 million in the bankruptcy that's being alleged to be owed to creditors, a lot of those creditors being former clients that he is alleged to have stolen from, and in some cases, it's been proven that he has stolen millions from clients. He has since um, been diagnosed, we'll see how that holds, with dementia placed into a conservatorship. And then there are now two different indictments against Tom Girardi, a slew of civil lawsuits against Erica, indictments against other lawyers in the firm, indictments against the CFO of the firm. It is a massive scandal. One of the questions in all of this was, how in the world did he get away with this for decades, we've learned. The LA Times initial investigation was asking questions about Tom Girardi's relationships with the California State Bar. The California State Bar is a licensing and enforcement agency for attorneys. It's where complaints go when a client is saying things like, hey, I got a settlement and my lawyer never gave me the settlement money, which is a huge problem in this Girardi case. And the State Bar did internal and external investigations as to how this went on for so long and recently released two redacted reports 
regarding how Tom Girardi was able to wield influence within the California State Bar, including what seems to be just direct bribery, and then hiring the, you know, children and relatives of people that worked at the State Bar. A individual that worked at the State Bar was given an American Express card being paid by Girardi Keys and a car. Like they were paying, the law firm was paying the lease for somebody that did not work at the business. In these investigations, it seems that when people would complain about Tom Girardi, that those complaints were not investigated or improperly closed, and that Tom Girardi bragged about wielding this influence, telling other lawyers and clients that they couldn't really do anything to him. And it seems that for 40 years, they couldn't. He got away with this most of his career. He's in his mid-80s, and this all came to light in 2020 because of a case out of the state of California, I think beyond the reach of his influence. And that's why this came up. I have an interview with Jay Edelson from Edelson PC, and we do talk about the California State Bar and what his experience was like when their law firm reported to the State Bar that they had found that Girardi was stealing from the Lion Air clients. That is an air disaster where Boeing settled with the family members of those lost in the plane crash. One of the things that stood out to me in the reports from the state bar is that there were two senior attorneys with the enforcement arm of the state bar who were advocating for discipline against Tom Girardi, and they were terminated under suspicious circumstances by individuals that had conflicts because of their relationship with Tom Girardi. So it seems like some tried to discipline him and they were quickly removed. It is an absolute staggering failure on behalf of the California State Bar. And I wonder if action had been taken against his license sooner, how many of his clients would have been spared because they would have found other attorneys. And after watching Murdoch and Girardi, how many other attorneys are we going to see um, publicly exposed? For this type of corruption. Finally, in the Emily Show podcast last week, I covered all of the new unsealed documents in the Idaho College murders case. In that case, these were getting unsealed during the end of the Murdoch trial, including two search warrants from Pennsylvania, a very interesting redacted memo regarding a Zoom call about the non-dissemination order that was put in place at the beginning of this case, and then a writ that was filed on February 6th. So we're going to talk about those three things real quick. If you want the deep dive, that is on last week's podcast episode. The unsealed search warrants from Pennsylvania show that items were taken from the White Elantra and Koberger's residence. It seems that DNA was taken, at least requested, and that swabs were checked in. In that, we saw lots of dark clothing taken in the search warrants, lots of electronics, including laptops and hard drives, a cell phone, a number of weapons, knives and a shop vac all taken. So all of those things are going to be, of course, kept in evidence, tested for DNA. They are going to work to crack those hard drives the way we heard so much about in the Murdoch trial. Then we went through an unsealed and redacted memo from a January 13th Zoom meeting with the judge, the prosecutors, the defense attorneys, a redacted party, and the attorney for the Gonsalves family. The judge was really going over making sure that the attorneys weren't leaking information to the media and talking about the media and talking about the new and updated non-dissemination order at that time, which went on to include the attorneys for the witnesses, if they have them, and for the victims' families, making clear that those attorneys shouldn't be talking. 
It got quite snappy at parts of the memo, which leads me to believe that the hearing also got quite snappy. The attorney for the Gonsalves family is one of the attorneys involved in the writ petition asking for the non-dissemination order to be thrown out. That writ was taken on February 6th. It's for either a writ of mandamus or a writ of prohibition to seek to overturn the court's non-dissemination order. I went through the writ a little bit, and I went through some of the oppositions to the writ. Koberger and the prosecutor are opposing the writ. The question is going to be, is the non-dissemination order the least restrictive means necessary to protect Koberger's right to a fair and public trial and how those two things play together. We are going to keep having these conversations when we see these high-profile cases in the media and how the court wants to allow the public access to court, but also protect the fact that they are in a small jurisdiction where they are going to have to pick a jury and how you pick a jury when cases are such big news. And with that, I hope you enjoyed this week's Quick Bits. Let me know if you have any questions down below. And we've got a lot to talk about this coming week. So I will see you back over on my long form channel for all the coverage this week. And I will be back here with a new Quick Bits next Monday. See you then. For deep dives into the stories that I covered here, you can find them on my YouTube channel at The Emily D. Baker and The Emily Show Podcast. I stream every Tuesday and Thursday. The podcast goes live on Wednesdays. And if you want more Law Nerd community, come join us at lawnerdsunite.com.